Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boozdar, and this week we head up to Montreal and Quebec, Canada, and sit down with artist Alex Nickel. Sony started out by playing in several bands, but recently just released his first solo album, All For Nada, and now is on the brink of creating some of the coolest and groundbreaking music up north. Enjoy. I uh, recently released my first solo record uh, called All For Nada. And uh, I've been active in music for about eight years uh, in various projects and uh, finally decided to make a solo record. And uh, here we are. Nice. What... um. Were you touring before that with like a different type of band, like a larger group before you decided to go with the solo venture? Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was pretty active in the Montreal DIY scene here for, for years. Uh, I played in, I think at one point I was in four bands, Hmm. including my own, uh, as a singer. Um, so yeah, I did for, I think, let me see. I think we went, I went uh, on tour in the States every year for three or four years prior to making my solo album. So like there was probably a year break between the last time I played in this, uh, like I toured and uh, probably two years, like a two year break between my last show with any other band and my first solo show. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's now been, you know, three years or so of like not playing with other people um, other than my own band that I recruit uh, for each show, you know, like um, that I've only played, let me, I can count the shows that I've played solo on one hand, I think still. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty new for me. I've definitely spent most of my time in music has still been spent, you know, collaborating in, in bands and groups with, with friends. There was a scene here that was quite, uh, it was quite, uh, what, I don't know. What's the word for it? I guess, uh, it was, it was busy. There were mm-hmm. lots of bands, lot, lot, lots of, uh, DIY spaces to, to play at lots of positive energy commotion, you know, like small tape labels forming, putting out bands, uh, plenty of bands touring, across the Northeast, uh, and like stopping in Montreal. And yeah, I was involved in a, in a space for a few years that put on shows all the time. And, uh, it was run by like a bunch of us. We were just, uh, band people that practiced there with our bands and paid the rent that way. And then had shows, uh, to cover the rent as well. So yeah, there's, Plenty to talk about there, uh, although it's not that exciting nowadays, you know. Hmm. Did you, uh, you know, get into music from a really young age with growing up in Montreal and seeing the music scene? Was that something that from a young age you were like, oh, that's awesome. That's what I want to do. And, you know, went into it or did it just kind of happen, you know, while you were sort of already in music and it started to build and become the big scene that it 
you know, is now? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I'm originally from Toronto. Uh, I moved to, uh, and then I spent my high school years in Ottawa, which is Canada's, uh, capital, although it's quite small and there's not much going on there. So I didn't really get into music until I moved to Montreal when I was 19. And even then it was kind of, uh, you know, a very slow, slow, um, integration. I never really planned anything out in my life. Really. I just sort of went from day to day. Uh, and, uh, I gradually got more into it. Uh, yeah. Did you, so 19, you move over and start getting into music. What did that initial period of getting into music look like? Well, honestly, like, yeah. So I, I, I went, I moved from Ottawa to Montreal to go to university, go to college. And I, it wasn't with really the intention of like, Oh, I'm going to go make it, make it big in music. Um, I just wanted, I just wanted to get out of my, uh, my, my town really, and see the world. (laughs) And that's what I did really. And I, so it, it was only by the age of 20. So like four, five years later, did I really like when, when, when my degree was finished and I was really not, I didn't really want to pursue a master's. I didn't really want to do anything academic or I was happy just working as, as a cook, uh, working odd jobs at a cafe and, being in bands, that's when it really clicked. And I was like, man, this really makes me happy. And this is, uh, I get so much out of it that I don't really want to be distracted, uh, with other things anymore. I think for a long time I, I put things in the way, you know, like, oh, I should really do this thing. Cause I need to get this other status to go do that and feel like I've achieved some level of recognition in the, the world of work. Um, uh, all the while feeling like I really didn't care about any of that and just wanted to make music. So eventually I shed all of that social conditioning. Um, but even, even today I struggle with like, am I really like a musician if I haven't sold a bunch of records and like people don't know who I am, you know, um, all to say like, yeah, it was slow. Like it was just, there were shows happening at, odd bars with my friends we would go we we set up like a a jam room in our living room where we we would be playing all hours of the day and night it was quite debaucherous and shambolic um for a while there but uh it all kind of led me to uh to a place where i really like just felt felt like i i was part of a community here which I guess is what I was really seeking all along. Sure. What, you must uh, have that, you know, like, uh, moments in your, uh, like what's kind of driving you to want to do something. It, it seems like it might be something that's, you know, personal or like individual, but it's also got this kind of sort of, sort of larger group community element to it where it's like, we all just want to find our, community. <laughs> yeah, totally. Did you feel like when you were in school that community wasn't there and it was uh it just felt different and what about music, you know, kind of clicked differently as opposed to I guess what you were studying and the experience that you had 
in uh, college or university? Yeah, I, I always felt like I didn't fit in really anywhere else. I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I, I didn't feel at home really anywhere other than like the dirty DIY venues that I would frequent on the weekends. Um, and it's not to say that like the other things I was pursuing weren't, uh, you know, totally great fits for other people, nor is it to say that like DIY scenes here were all full of angels and like super happy, nice people. Mm. Um, but it is to say that for me, I just, I couldn't really see where else I fit in. I just felt like I, I could really be myself and uh, explore myself in an environment where there was a lot going on and lot, lots of people that I knew were doing things that I admired. And so I was curious to learn more and um, meet more people in this sort of network that I didn't really know existed. So it was kind of like, a path of me exploring something that I really wanted to do on my own terms. Whereas other, other things that felt like it was more of like an obligation. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, honestly, like I, I think the unique appeal for me had a lot to do with just like, it was sort of, I found it and it was a thing I was building for myself and, there was no, there wasn't much of like a stake in the game or I don't know. Mm. Hard to say really. Sure. Did the initial periods of getting into music was that, I mean, you started at a relatively older age. Did you have to learn, um, you know, whatever instrument, guitar and singing and all that just from scratch or was there some foundation there from a younger age? Um, yeah, I, I had played guitar on and off uh, for a couple of years before, uh, maybe like a few years before. So yeah, 17 is probably when I began to start playing guitar and I, I, I had played piano when I was a lot younger. So I'd like, I had a sense of music, uh, and, but I didn't really get into songwriting until yeah, 21. Um, so I, I had definitely, even though I, I also, yeah, I, I would say that I, I had a pretty extensive exposure to types of music when I was younger. I sang in a choir, learned the piano, played the saxophone. And so it all kind of came together relatively quickly for me it, when, when, I, when I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to write a song like what do I have to do okay here's what I have to learn and then I would yeah just practice on my own time it, it didn't it didn't take much what did take a long time was getting into Ableton and recording and and that sort of stuff I poof uh I didn't figure out how to record myself adequately until like a few years ago <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah but uh and I still don't think I'm a very good singer or guitar player. I'm definitely just hacking at it to try to get my emotions out, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Does the, um, I'm curious as to think what the initial, you know, centralized themes of the songs that you wrote when you first got into songwriting, did they, oh, yeah. 
what were the, I guess, you know, what were you talking about and writing about? Uh, the first song I wrote was new girl on the block. She's a new girl on the block. You know, you've got to go and meet her or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a rip off of, uh, Paul McCartney or something. Uh, the Beatles. Um, what else would I be writing about? Yeah. Lots of like quasi mystical kind of like, uh, um, attempts at like deep, uh, lyrics, uh, (laughs) that, uh, didn't really come off, but, uh, yeah. So things like, uh, uh, Arcadia is for fools is the title that I recall. Mm. And I was trying to get at this sort of, there's a, there's this, notion of like um of uh i was uh big into british culture when i was you know 18 19 up to like 25 so i I was into the smiths and i was into um the libertines for for example and Mm -hmm. some of these bands referenced older british cultural stuff and so I, i i then found william blake uh and so i had this sort of like interest in trying to create a mythology around like the, the lyrics I would write and it like, it didn't work, but yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I like the, um, the influences of like the British and, you know, the Smiths and the Libertines, especially, I mean, he, the lead singer of that band was Pete Daughtry, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of the centralized themes. And then also just the, I mean, Morrissey obviously being very, you know, depressed and writing about very dark songs. And then Pete Daughtry having his own like off-screen antics of being, you know, very, I don't know how to say it, just, uh, I guess, reckless in the way that he made decisions and stuff. Did that ever kind of make its way into your life as far as songwriting or the way that you wanted to live your life and influenced you in a way? Um. Yeah, I, I, I thought I... I still kind of see myself and I thought then that like, if you want to, yeah, I, I think what I learned from those artists and there's many more that are like this is that you can't, you, you need to live on it. You have to go out there and live in such a way that you can create experiences that you can then translate into lyrics like you, like you can't just make up a bunch of stuff. Like you, you really do need to take your life and your experiences as the source. Hmm. And you can't do that if you're sitting at home on your computer all the time, um, for instance. So that's kind of what I took from them uh, was to just go out there, live your life and try things. Yeah. Be a little bit reckless. Yeah. Take some risks, but like with this, noble at least it seemed pursuit of trying to transcribe that into 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 art um and so yeah but then i i would i yeah i've also yeah so i think that's a big part of how i used to want to live was like a little bit on the edge you know just as just to kind of get more uh material yeah 
did finding a band and, you know, like-minded people, was that difficult or did it come pretty naturally? Um, well, Ash, which was made up of me and my two really good friends who I had known from Hold on, you're breaking in and out real quick. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. You want to repeat? Uh, yeah, maybe just uh, maybe just ask the question again. Or sure. Um, was it hard or difficult to, you know, find the bands in the group, or did it come pretty naturally? It's not been hard for me to find uh, players. No. Um, yeah, I could. I could. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I liked about the DIY scene here is that there was a lot of keen, talented people that didn't have that much going on. So, um, and yeah, I, I, w- I was in a band with my high school friends for a while. So that, that made it easy. I, I didn't really have to go and find people for okay. a long time. Did that a uh, group of people that you were in the band with your high school friends. So that was, after college or were you guys in that band while you were in school? Yeah. So they, so I moved to Montreal with my high school friend. Um, oh, okay. Nice. And we lived together for years uh, and went to the same college. Uh, and uh, our, our other friend also moved to Montreal. He moved a bit later, but um, yeah, it all sort of, we all were around and we, we jammed and it, I don't know. I, if, if I'm making music, I tend to just write songs. It's just something that I have to do. So like we were jamming and then I would always be like, okay, let's do that and put that there. And all you know, this is what we're going to do now. <laughs> and then that, that, that's how it happened. Yeah. Nice. Um, let me see. Hey, say something real quick. Hello. Okay, that sounds better. I feel like it's breaking up a little bit. I don't know why at certain points. I got like most of that. I think the last part kind of cut out a tad bit. Okay, give me one minute. I'm going to I'm going to move. Okay, that might help you. Yeah. I'm going to move to the room right beside the uh <laughs> Wi-Fi extender. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. No worries. Um, nice. So initially when you were, uh, I guess, you know, the first band, how did that look as far as recording music, getting the songs together and sort of arranging that with a group of people? Um, how was that whole process? And, you know, did it go pretty smoothly or was it, you know, rough waters at first? Uh, yeah, I always had a hard time with recording because I didn't, I didn't have the tech, uh, technical knowledge or the tools. And it did take us a while to figure out how to record ourselves well with the right people or person. Um, and uh, yeah, so there was probably like a two or three year period where we just uh, had a bunch of songs and tried to record them once or twice and didn't quite like the outcome. And, um, 
And then eventually we, we worked with a friend of ours in a different band who knew how to record and had the tools. And so he helped us. He set us up in our practice space and recorded, uh, recorded our songs and we, we made an EP. And so that went pretty well. Um, but, uh, we then realized we wanted to make something on tape. So we, we went to the bottle garden, which is a analog, uh, recording studio here and made a whole album on, on tape. I think two inch tape, if I, if I recall correctly. And so that's a lot more, um, you know, like the stakes are much higher. Like you have to, uh, you, it's a lot harder to, uh, cut and paste, you know, Mm -hmm. in a single take digitally, for instance, I could, I could sing 100 vocal takes and then I could go in and take the best parts of any of, of, of those 100 and easily patch them together and make it seem like it was one take. Um, we, we didn't want to work that way back then. So we worked on tape for an album and that, and that was really fun. Uh, explored some analog recording and, uh, effect, uh, tools. And, uh, that was kind of like the, the moment when I, I felt like, okay, this is, uh, this is actually sounding somewhat near to what I think my music should sound like. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was hard for sure. I, I think back and, um, wonder if, if I had, if I should have worked harder to get into recording earlier, cause it would have made my, my musical output sound a lot different, uh, up until recently at least, but, uh, you know, so it is. Yeah. What was the, um, reasoning or the push to make it on tape, um, and wanting to go that route? Well, primarily it was because we, we like the way that recordings on the tape sound. There's a certain warmth that comes from the physical limitations of the tape and the, the fact that it's audio being transcribed onto tape, uh, that you couldn't, that you could, that you can't quite replicate digitally. I think you can do it, do it now much better. Uh, but, uh, back then, yeah, it it was kind of alluring and it was also kind of a challenge for us because we wanted to say, okay, well, we're going to do one take, one takes, uh, for this whole album. Um, and of course it was never that smooth. And like, I wound up doing four days of vocal recording, um, just because it, it's really hard to get, uh, the right take or like a good enough take. So the primary interest was because of the warmth of sound that comes from tape and the secondary, uh, motivator, I guess, was the challenge of like trying to record, uh, unified takes 
in 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 songs sure uh, yeah is there a big uh tape scene over there are people buying a lot of tapes i know it's uh definitely getting a resurgence in the same way that vinyl records are getting resurgence and people are starting to dive into that older time you know music and stuff just because the sound is definitely different and it's more i don't know it has the different appeal to it does it is it doing well in montreal and in canada you know selling tapes and people being into that yeah there was i mean yeah i think definitely like the california psych rock scene that that i know of uh probably is made up of bands that do a lot of work on tape yeah um Montreal, yeah, there's there's one studio like the Bottle Garden is is known for being the studio to go to if you want to record to tape, uh, and he so and it's run by Peter Woodford who's made a lot of records. So yeah, just from his output alone, uh, there's a fair amount um, out there. In terms of like the marketplace for tapes. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's obviously waned in the past year. Um, but for sure, I think when bands tour, it's the cheapest and most visually appealing merch you can make really. Um, so I think that'll continue. Yeah. Nice. What did the, you know, speaking of touring, what did that initial, you know, first tour that you went on, how did that look? And what was it like? Oh boy. Uh, let me think back. I haven't thought about these days in a while. Um, I remember we went across Canada three summers in a row, um, to play a festival in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and since we were in school, we couldn't tour much any other time. So yeah, we would, we toured across Canada playing and all, we would just book shows wherever they would take us really. There's not that many venues uh, between, uh, I guess, I guess uh, Toronto and Edmond, uh, Toronto and Calgary. So, and yet it's, it's a multi-day drive. I think we, you know, took some time. So all to say there was a lot of time driving, not that many shows. <laughs> mm. And then that progressed into, that was your initial band. The first band that you went on. What was the name of that band? And yeah. Uh, Kirby Tash. Oh, okay. Nice. And then how many bands have you been in since then? Oh boy. Um, I played in, uh, I played with Kieran Blake. I played with, Connor Whitney in his project. Uh, I played in a band called Loon. I played in uh, a band called Blanca. I played in a band called uh, She Divides. And I played in uh, uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. I might be missing some and apologies to anybody if I if I did but uh, yeah, that's it. So I, I'd be playing in those bands like over the, yeah, from the age of whatever, 20, 23, 24 to 27, 28. 
Hmm. And then I and guess- not many of those bands went on tour. Like really, I only played out of town shows with Loon um, and uh, that was only limited to Toronto and Ottawa. Okay. Uh, so with Kirby Tash, which then morphed into Hone, we we toured the northeast of the states. We we went down. We went from Montreal to as far as Baltimore, um, a couple of, of summers, which isn't that far, but you know, still plenty of shows can can be can be packed in into that part of the part of the country. Um, yeah, and so that's. It was really like between, you know, 2015 and 2018 that I did most of my touring. And a lot of it was in the States. What was the uh, major difference between the crowds that you were experiencing in Canada and then in the United States? Um, major difference... Well, Americans are really into music. Um, there's a lot of optimism and positivity and just great people in these, uh, that, that were involved in these, uh, scenes that we were, that we passed through. So I think, but yeah, like the enthusiasm and optimism, is definitely something that I found appealing mm. about the Northeast. Not that it, it's not present amongst people in Canada, but just, uh, maybe it's just more, it was more marked to me or maybe because I was farther from home, I felt like a bit like I needed more of that feeling as you know what I mean? Like it, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely felt pretty, pretty comfortable and I don't know, respected and liked, uh, at, uh during the shows that we played, uh, in the States. Um, yeah, I guess that's a, a major thing. And then the venues are pretty similar. I mean, and the, and the, the sort of life's yeah. The, the crowds pretty similar in number. Uh, although definitely a lot more people in the States. So that, so that rubbed off well. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it really. Like, and then there's the, what, there was a, a few moments where I encountered, um, people at shows in the, uh, in the States who were just like very, very honest and, uh, forthright with, with, the, with their opinions. And that's something that I admire. Uh, Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we would get that much in Canada. Like the, there was a, a show that we were playing in Beacon, New York. And we, we were, we um, opened for, for this um, other band and our band at the time, like it was a little bit scrappy, a little bit sort of rough around the edges, a little bit raw. And so we, you know, we did our thing. And then um, this, uh, second band that headliners played and they were a lot more put together, much more, uh, I don't know, energetic, much more of a, of a package, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
So I, I, I was there watching the show, sitting at the door beside a guy who, who was there, like just a regular at, the, at this bar. And uh, yeah, he turned to me and was like, you know, you guys are good, but you, you know, you'll just keep on playing and you'll become as tight as uh, these guys on stage. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of like a microcosm of some of the, I guess, uh, folks that I encountered, although that really is kind of like an outlier scenario. Cause then we, and I, I do have like really, really fond memories of that, of that night because we then got talking with this guy and like, he was, he, he shared his life story with, with, with me a little bit. And it was like, wow, this guy's legit. <laughs> hmm. So cool. that sort of thing wouldn't happen as much in, you know, playing a show in uh, Halifax or something or Winnipeg, like, there would there wouldn't be that sort of here's my take um commentary sure does that make you ever want to go to i don't know the states and kind of live there and sort of make that the home base for the band or you as an artist um yeah i've i've definitely looked into it um and thought about it yeah um i definitely like I definitely like the idea of uh, New York City, um, but I've never I've never made an attempt to move there. California, I, I hear, is also a place that if if I ever get to, I'm told I will stay forever. So we'll mm. have to see on that. <laughs> sure, because I, I still haven't made it over there. Nice. Well, um, that's cool. Does it? Uh, I'm curious also as to this year and how. I don't know, that's played a role in your psyche and kind of just the band. And, you know, if you had any plans initially that kind of went to the wayside due to everything that was happening and um, kind of just the mentality about how 2020 and the pandemic and everything has, you know, affected you. Yeah, well, we were about to go to South by Southwest in Austin. Mm. And uh, I recall driving back home after a show in Toronto and receiving a text from my friend who lives in, in Austin. And she was like, South by is canceled. And she uh, sent me a screenshot of an email that she received from the, from the uh, festival organizers. And uh, yeah, things just kind of snowballed from there really. Um, so yeah, that was planned. And then there was a couple of tours. There, there was a tour planned that later in the fall in the States that has been, uh, I guess it's supposedly postponed until next year, but that might now even be pushed later. So that might not even happen. Um, yeah. So any, any sort of excitement that we had about releasing this album, uh, Definitely got, you know, swallowed up in, in the chaos of the pandemic. Um, and I think people are still kind of like, you know, we're catching our breath a bit still. Um, and the mentality around music, I've been doing a lot of recording um, and 
Yeah, nothing seems to phase me on that front. I just, I feel like it's something I called to do, so I just do it, even if you know, like the world is falling apart. I would probably still be downstairs in my basement recording something. Right. Um, but in terms of you know touring prospects and like the business side of it, for sure, a lot has been put on hold, and that's frustrating for sure. But uh, yeah, we'll get through it. Yeah. Does the, what was the, I guess, I mean, you still put the album out regardless of what was happening. Was there a push to just kind of get it out and start working on new material or was it sort of like in a sense of unpredictability of not knowing, Hey, how we don't know how this is going to go. We might as well get this album out. We worked really hard on it. And regardless of the fact that we, you know, can't, really promote it as far as touring and have to figure out other ways to kind of promote the album. I mean, I, I was ignorant to the risk of coronavirus. So we agreed to put it out in March in like in about December, we were like, okay, we're going to put this album out in March. Um, and I just, it didn't even occur. I mean, I don't read the news every day and it didn't occur to me that there might be a risk. Uh, uh. around pandemic. So uh, yeah, it, it was never an option to like, once we agreed to do South by, there was never an option to postpone the release. Um, and I'm super happy that we didn't because I'm very happy that it's out. Um, you know, I'm very happy to have reached the number of people that we have despite the limitations. Um, and yeah, there's nothing, uh, and in a weird way, there's nothing I would do differently. Um, but, uh, I would want to be more aware of the risks, uh, for, for the, for the next album. I, I'm sure there'll be more of like a timeline in place and we'll be more prepared to have alternative plans if we think plan A isn't going to work. Um, but uh, this first solo album is was kind of like a test case, you know. I didn't intend to record a solo album when I booked the time at, at the studio. I didn't intend to um, end the band I was in and focus exclusively on my solo career. When making this uh, this solo album, it was very much an an attempt. It was just an attempt. It wasn't like a I'm going solo now and screw everything else. It was like. Alex tries tentatively to record a solo album and if it goes well, he'll put it out and see what happens. Mm. Um, you know, so this, I've been, I've said it before, but like I, uh, like the stakes weren't very high and I think I operate well in environments where like the pressure is not on. <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, success we've had and the amount of work that went into it and all, all the passion and creativity of the collaborators that I have makes me f so inspired to make more music this way. So nice. Was yeah. there uh, you know, with everything on the album, having to promote it, I guess on a more digital scale, as far as uh, social yeah. media and promoting it in that regards for a band or for, I guess just you in general as an artist wanting like initially doing stuff on tape and having this yeah. appreciation for analog and stuff. Was it daunting at first to kind of go to this 
realm of having to put so much time and effort into, you know, social media and the digital aspect of everything? Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have a manager, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Like I, Mm. I wouldn't be, I'm not very good at promoting myself. Um, so it, it really, it helps that I have a team. It really, that's really what gives me the energy to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm deserving of this space and I, I need your attention. Um, so not, so it's daunting for me, but like it would be crippling for me if it was me alone, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So that's like the reason the album is called all for nada is because my girlfriend's name is not a Tamarinsky and she, she really was the inspiration for it being, it being made at all. And, um, a lot of the songs are about our life together. And she was, she, she, you know, she produced the album. Um, and she's now helping me with the business side of things. So like we're, we're this pod and we're just collaborating together and, um, it makes, it makes my, it makes the amount of stuff I need to worry about other than the music a bit less daunting. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, speaking on the album, um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I think this, uh, I don't know, it has a little bit more of a, I don't know, older school. It's not as poppy in the sense of you know radio like oh super poppy kind of band it has a very emotional and um i don't know it's like a very different album than i i guess would expect from a lot of bands coming out right now what was is that sort of something that you kind of were aiming for is it just naturally how the songs came together and the centralized themes of you know a relationship and love and everything oh yeah i mean i i gave it I intended it to have a sort of warm, velvety, uh, atmospheric uh, feeling, um, and uh, so and so that involved, you know, like telling the mixing engineer and like the final day of of mixing, like, uh, okay, turn the volume of the drums on this track down, just like the whole thing, just turn all, all the drums down, you know? Um, and, you know, demanding that for a few songs because like the drums were too loud and I really didn't want an album with heavy drums. Um, and so, yeah, I, I realized in the making of it that I had a pretty clear idea of the identity around a sort of texture and atmosphere. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I've certainly got the feedback from uh, playlisters that you know, this isn't right for me. <laughs> this isn't going to suit my my rock audience. <laughs> hmm. um, it doesn't have. It's not. Is like I've been. I've been told like this is a good sounding demo, uh, but I think you really have to add something to this track. Um, yeah, we. I've had a, a few of those comments from playlisters, um, 
which does indicate to me like, oh yeah, this is clearly an album made for a certain kind of listener, a certain kind of audience, mm-hmm. maybe. a Yeah. So, and I feel good about that, you know? Sure. How does it, um, so yeah, that's cool. I mean, to have the thick skin and to be okay with receiving that sort of feedback, but also, oh, just, yeah. you know, taking it and kind of spinning it in like, oh, that's, I mean, that's what I intended. You know, it's not for everyone. I didn't make a pop album that, you know, you can throw on the radio and everyone's going to love. It's more of a niche thing. And the people that appreciate it really, really appreciate it, you know? Yeah, that's, I'm pretty happy if I can find my, my, my niche, I'll be happy. Um, cause at, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, like you can't please everybody, you know? Yeah, of course. And it's, uh, I don't know if that's the best pursuit either, you know, to, no. uh, try to seek out everyone's approval. You're always going to be disappointed in some way, shape or form. So to make something that is, uh, unique and true to who you are as a person, I think is the best way to go about it. So I, that's why, I mean, I appreciated it. I thought it was really well done. And I think that, you know, the music that I listen to might be more along the lines of that type of music, you know, for, um, more, I don't know. I hate to like compare, but like, you know, slower music in a sense of, you know, uh, a Bonnie Vare or Justin Vernon sure. kind of sort yeah, of thing yeah. where it has a slower pace and you pay more attention to the lyrics and the themes behind the songs and you're left with, you know, emotions and you understand where the songs and, you know, the artist is coming from. I think for me, that's, you know, an appreciation that I hold dear to my heart. And I have a ton of friends, you know, on the flip side of things that, can listen to a song and absolutely love a song and listen to it 50 times, you know, and not know a single word in the song. Cause they just listen to the beat or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Th- it's this different dynamic of, I guess, how you appreciate and listen to music. And, you know, there's, there's a ton of both. I think there's probably a, a lot of people out there that, you know, probably more people, honestly, which is kind of sad probably just to think that, they only listen to the beat or they only listen to, you know, the hook of the song and kind of base their appreciation off of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of people don't listen to the lyrics at all and they don't care and they just want energy um, or they just want rhythm. Uh, and I, I appreciate that, that um, approach. Cause I'm like that too in the, uh, at, at times, you know, mm. Um, there was, there was a period where I got really into Chicago house from like the, from the, from the, from the eighties and the nineties. And like, all I really wanted to listen to was like 18 minute, like deep house cuts from like some B side, uh, B side of some seven inch that some super fan had uploaded to YouTube. And I was just, it was just my world. You know, I didn't, didn't care what, that there wasn't any singing. I didn't, I wasn't going there for that. I was going there for the feeling and for the warmth of, of the synths and like the pounding of that, of that kick drum that was the same every single time. And I just loved it, you know? Um, yeah. There's an element of like repetition and, you know, simplicity and groove that is, uh, integral to, to music really Hmm. to lots of kinds of music, but, you know, folk music and softer forms of, you know, country 
are not necessarily groove driven forms of music. They're, they're uh, acoustic uh, often, and they're more about the message of the song, you know, the lyrics of the song. And um, yeah, I, I was making like pretty dense electronic music before I made this solo album. And so it was a real flip because I, and I'm really happy that I, that I, I did it because I feel more at home making folk style music. Uh, that's all that is more focused on the voice and softer and more atmospheric and more emotional. Um, then I do sort of contriving an urgency and a sort of hyped up, hyped up energy in, in music. I mean, I can, I can, I can do both. And so that's what I, what I, what I mean by like, there are people out there, like, I think we all need different kinds of music depending on the time or the uh, mood, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. But does it look like, I don't know, going forward for the music that you're making right now and recording and stuff, is it coming from that same place? Or are you wanting to switch it up and change things around? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting deeper into the, I'm getting deeper into the like, uh, sort of, uh, vocal driven story driven sort of folk singer style, actually quite akin to Bonnie Bear, actually. Nice. Um, uh, although not, not as though I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm certainly doing it in my own way and it feels quite genuine and yeah so it'll be more more of like the atmospheric stripped down stuff i think for the next little bit but i do have a lot of um electronic music that i i want to get out there too so um yeah i'm really all all over the place but for the next while i definitely think it's going to be uh me and my acoustic guitar singing rad that's cool singing songs yeah nice man very, very cool. Uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, as we wrap up here, do you have any, I don't know, what are your plans for the rest of the year? And I guess just, you know, some last minute advice for musicians and artists. I'm going to be probably working on new material uh, for the next long, long while. Um, as for advice, sorry, to, to, to new artists, or to other, maybe just someone who's listening and, you know, is stoked on your journey and what you've done and they want to pursue something in a similar way, or maybe they're, Oh yeah. Relate to something early on and they're like, Oh, I, you know, I'm going through something similar and just, you know, want to get to where you are. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. Um, I am a firm believer. Um, in persistence, uh, in, uh, in dedication to something for the pleasure of doing it in itself. So you don't, you know, if you don't achieve a level of success within next number of years, uh, that doesn't mean that you should stop doing what you're doing and go get a job at a bank. You know, it, it really just means you are getting better and you're improving in ways that you might not be able to tell. Um, and that 
talent and knowledge accrues over time. It builds. And the more you do it, the more, the deeper that you let yourself sink into the headspace of a creative person, of a, of a songwriter, um, the, the more whole you will feel as a person. And I think the more, the more authentic your music will be. And also just, yeah, the better your output will become. So it really is like a reckoning with yourself, reckoning with how to be honest with yourself and to not get too angry with yourself or beat yourself up over, over, over things that you, you know, wish you had done differently or could have done, or, you know, there's so many ways that we can trip ourselves up. Uh, and I, I think it's important to just give yourself a break and say, I'm going to just keep on doing this because I love it. And like, that's a good enough reason, you know, it, it, it really is. Nice. Very cool. Well, Alex, uh, thank you again. How can people find you, connect with you, listen to your music and you know, everything like that? Yeah. You, you can find me on, um, Instagram, uh, Alex nickel band. You can find me on Bandcamp or on Spotify. Um, and yeah, keep, I guess, keep tabs on me because I'll, I'll be putting out a few things in the next little bit. So. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. To stay up to date on what Alex has got going on, you can follow him on Instagram under unfeigned underscore troubadour. You can follow us at The Double Life Pod. Make sure to stay up to date on what's going on and subscribe to the show. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll see you next week. Adios.